Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. I am, of course, your host, Holly Marie, and I'm super excited, super keen to bring you another guest episode today in our Manifesto Meetup podcast series. This guest is tuning in with us all the way from England. She is being a phenomenal manifester and recording this at 3 a.m. So I'm sure that whatever wisdom is going to come through, (laughs) is going to come through in these twilight hours for her. I would love to welcome on India Majuri, otherwise known as the Energy Coach. Welcome onto the podcast, India. Oh, thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to have you. This is going to be amazing. When, when each podcast guest comes on, I always like to start it out with telling us a little bit about your design. What, what type of manifesto are you? And how did human design kind of fall into your life? How did you stumble into the human design space? Yeah, well, um, human design, I fully started looking into only this year. Um, so I've only been exploring it for a really short period of time. But when I have looked at my emails, Apparently, I did look at it August 2020, but when you first do your whole chart thing, it's like, okay, I, I don't really get it. And I sort of put it to bed. But I'm a 3-5 um, I'm manifester, um, splenic authority, which I still have to double check. My memory's awful. I don't know whether that's in my chart. <laughs> that's just my memory. I yeah. always have to have my have my chart there to be like which one am I again but yeah three five uh, three five manifesto and splenic authority and um I suppose really when I when I when I first started to explore human design properly and in depth and it was my friend actually who sent me a few podcast episodes you Holly were the one that really sort of landed you um you were interviewed um Anyway, I can't remember, like I said, my memory. Um, But it was a really, really, really really interesting podcast. You explained a bit about your backstory. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is me. This is me. This is me. This is me. And um, I'm I'm really into astrology, um, but it never really landed for me that there's so many different planets on 
in in this sign and and that sign and and you know it's not just as simple as you know I'm a Leo because it never like I never resonated with that I'm a very very complex Leo I'm not your usual um, Leo so when I read human design I was like this actually sums me up and I actually understand myself and I actually understand why these things happened in my life and ah I just almost had this like drop of like forgiveness drop of acceptance drop of um like peace (laughs) peace it's there it exists we can have it yeah (laughs) so that's how I that's how I I first discovered it and um you know I'm still very new to it I'm still uh, I'm peeling away the layers bit by bit and and I think that's the key is is short little snippets um here and there so so that that's how I sort of explored or started to explore human design Mm, I love it I think that that experience of astrology is so familiar for so many of us certainly for me I mean I I have a great deal of respect for uh, sorry for astrology (laughs) words Mm. I have a great deal of respect for astrology um and for the complexity of the system, but I've never mm. been able to find myself in it. I've never really been able to see like a true reflection of myself in astrology. And when I first really started to coming into human design, I had a very similar experience. I, I you know, I first heard about it and I was like, no, nah, not, <laughs> which is, is also very common for manifestors. <laughs> We're very resistant. Yeah, okay. To, you know, experiencing these these new ways when they come from something else. Um, and, you know, the more I delved into human design, the more I really felt like I can actually see myself here. I, I actually feel like this is a system that captures all of the complexities and all of the different nuances and all of the ways that I can show up. And when I view astrology through the lens of human design, because there's a great deal of astrology in human design, that mm. makes sense to me. And that resonates and mm. I can understand that it's place. So I think that that's just, it's, it's interesting to note because at the moment, um, you know, as we've been going through the global pandemic and all of, all of the shifts that's happening collectively over the last couple of years, astrology has become very prominent for a lot of people. And I, I think that that is far more common than we expect that it is, that people stumble into astrology and think, this is really cool, but I just can't really kind of grasp myself in here like just doesn't seem to show me and human design does for whatever reason I mean the system is energetically different I suppose so Mm. thank you for sharing that um that's okay I love really like sorry darling no 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 you go astrology (laughs) astrology there's there's loads to learn about astrology but there's loads to learn about human design but for astrology to land you have to learn it all or know more about it and keep peeling away the layers with human design like as soon as it lands like the the surface level information you're like oh that sums me up so then you're interested to the next level and you're interested to the next level whereas astrology it's like oh I'm just trying to piece it all together first before I understand that's very true. I, I love that. I've never actually viewed it that way. That's really correct. It's mm. really accurate. Um, I think too, you know, just in, in introducing you as your design, you know, as being a, a three, five manifester, you know, like a lot of, a lot of the people that are kind of immediately around me are fours because I'm a four, six 
And so I attract a lot of other fours and sixes. And um, I love I love meeting three lines. My best friend is a, a three five splenic manifester. I have another best friend overseas. She's a three five emotional projector. And the threes are so cool because you do this like, I'm going to dive in to everything that's present in front of me right now and I'm going to learn it and I'm going to try it and I'm going to integrate it and then, oh, there's another adventure. There's another layer. Like, let's keep going. It's kind of like spontaneity and playfulness and just authenticity with the way that you approach life that I, I just love. It just makes me smile experiencing three lines that way. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> so for any three lines that are listening, whether you're a three, five or a three, six or any of the other three profiles, there are different ways to experience this journey of being a manifester. And, a, you know, a, a three is going to do it very, very differently to a four or a five or a one, you know, will do it. Mm. Yeah. I know that you have a really, really interesting backstory that, that really we're here to discuss. I mean, I'm so curious to, to just listen along and be an observer of your story. Um, and a lot of that has to do with um, drug use, particularly cocaine use and, um, how that has sort of interplayed into now your understanding of generator conditioning and how you got into that. Are you able to share with us a bit of your story about how how did drug use and cocaine use show up for you? How did you you stumble into that in your life? I I started doing um, I started doing drugs at a really young age, and it's it's so weird because. I somehow knew about them before actually knowing about them and looking back at my behaviors um, and just observing it from, you know, from now looking back, it's really obvious why I, I did. And I almost was like searching for something to do that with. And I, there was someone in our family, a family friend, sorry, I was really young at the time, but she did have a very, um, very bad um, drug abuse problem. But I was very young at the time, so I didn't know anything about it. And um, but somehow I did know. It's it's so strange. Like and I and I she lived um, in my opinion from a very young age. Lived a very um, lavish life. Um, you know, a London townhouse, we used to have amazing parties there. The kids used to, you know, it's the times where your parents are just like, just do whatever you want, but just don't get in trouble. <laughs> you meet other kids, you maybe sneak a little sip of alcohol and, you know, just run around. Parents are just, you know, having having a ball. So I, and I, I think I first sort of really started to piece together what these exciting in, um, toxic substances can do to, to your body like maybe it's just observing alcohol and just having fun and being I, and I saw it as a really like a, a rich drug which it should is it's, it's expensive right um well if, if you don't know it, it is expensive and when I left school so around 16 um, I went to a different school so I did start off with a private school and then I shifted to because um, I hated it I went to a different school um, so then I met loads of people in my area and I started hanging out um, sneaking out the house and just being really really rebellious and a lot of my friends at the time were a bit older and they were already 
um, using. And I just instantly was like, I just want to try it. I just want to try it. I just need to, I just need to try it. And they're like, no, no, you're too young. And I, I try, and I, 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 that's kind of what, what got me into it. To be fair, actually going back a little bit further that there was one of my friends at school that lived in London and we used to go out to um, raves actually that probably kicked it off I think I was 14 when I went into my first rave my wow. poor parents yeah <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah I don't know if you've heard of fabric um in London that was a no that's like a really really like um well-known um club in London and there was there was so many raves that I went to and I didn't do drugs at the first time and I remember someone passing me pills in my hand this guy that was chatting to and I was like I don't know what this is like no and um but it introduced me to that to that and I started to get used to people not necessarily being you know sober um even though from from that time predominantly I was so that's how I that's how I was introduced to drugs and when I was um when I left school and started a new school at that time, I experienced um, two deaths. So my my sister my my sister's best friend died in a car crash, and my my best friend's sister um, committed suicide, which was just really really traumatic. I was sixteen, going on seventeen. Neither of these people were necessarily. You know, there was it wasn't my best friend, it wasn't my sister. So like I supported my sister and I supported my best friend. And I I really like discarded myself. Um and I disregarded like my emotions. And I just then just went in this spiral um of of just yeah, I, I didn't last long in that school. I've got into a lot of trouble at that school. I used to sneak out the house and um I just used drugs a lot. And one of my friends at the time, like I knew him from primary school. So we were really close. It was two friends from primary school. And it was just three of us. And he sold uh, cocaine. So that fueled the habit. And um, when I left that school, so it must have been 17, um, going on 18, I started working in a, in a restaurant. So we used to have lock-ins every day. It was like a restaurant bar. So we had lock-ins every day and then I used to go to my friend's house, which was a really like druggy house. And I used to use every night. I used to go there. I think I think I probably was doing drugs six times out of seven, six days out of seven days a week. And I was only 17. Um, and I, you know, was in a toxic relationship. And I got into a lot of trouble, hung out with the wrong, wrong, wrong people. And it wasn't until I got into trouble that I realized this isn't me, like, what am I doing? And I think it was like a year of working in that restaurant. I'm a really creative person. And I was like, well, am I gonna be working in a restaurant forever? No, because that just doesn't fill me up. Um, So, okay, I want to go back to school. So I decided I'll either do childcare, strangely, I, I say strangely because it's somehow, it, it must be something to do with my job. <laughs> um, it seems to have entwined into my life somehow. It's either childcare or, or fashion. So I went back to college and I studied fashion. I decided to do fashion and I was actually, um, you know, 
I was going to court at the time and um but they were really supportive and and I really just then started going on the straight and narrow and but you know that was I would love to have said that's necessarily where the story ended but I think that was like the severe abuse that's where it ended but I all like for from that point onward I always needed a blowout so I would have like six months sober I, I drink I used to binge drink but I'm I'm I, this society a lot of teenagers do don't see they see that as being abnormal at that time um but from about so three years ago really I'm three years sober from from drugs I um just needed that blowout and towards the end of that um so sort of end of my 20s I then started going out and partying again so it was like a weekend thing um and using using every weekend but predominantly that drug was there to support my energy (laughs) to fuel my energy to to um to help me be more present with people to help me be more energetic with people to help me be you know we reject people right if you're a manifester you either welcome um attracts or you reject but that was my way of making friends and how like um supporting that attraction so like I'm I'm awake I'm happy I'm I'm vibrant I have so much to say like I'm center of you know um life and soul of the party be my friend it was a way to sort of support that and um you know I have got an addictive personality so when I have my mind if I set my mind to to something then I will do it hence why I set my mind to college and I did it and I set my mind to be like right I need to stop this addiction which potentially I did stop doing it every day literally overnight stop doing it but there was still that that yearning to just numb out numb everything out and that was that six month habit which then led back to every weekend and and even now I still have that yearning Mm. I don't know if that will go with an addiction you know and I like it's weird like I never would say that I would say yes my 17 year old self addicted but my 20 year old self addiction has so many different layers and I have friends who have a more severe addiction they would have carried on that 17 self throughout their 20s and then they end up in AA or or the drug version of it and because I never was that serious it's hard for me to really associate myself with the same addiction but predominantly the way I see addiction now even though it's hard for me to necessarily um admit it sometimes it's it's all to do with the mind like it consumed my mind to the point where I couldn't just I couldn't let it go I need to the end of my 20s we're going out like hey me and Holly are meeting you know you're my party friend um we're meeting in a month's time I'd be thinking about shall I shall I not for the whole month shall I get it shall I not get it oh I just I don't know I can't I shouldn't and I'd already started training um uh in health kinesiology which is a holistic therapy at the time um I'd already started training so I started going on a more of a natural route and I was still using drugs um but I have stopped now (laughs) (laughs) amazing what was that 
when you first started kind of getting into it, it sounds like it was a real like drug environment where at least in part that was normalized and that that then became enticing. What was the initial payoff? What do you feel like that benefit was for you when you were, you know, 16 or so and, and started using drugs? Was it just a new experience? Was it a new adventure? Was there something that you were trying to numb yourself out from or escape from? Or, or do you think that it was, it was complex? Was it a number of different things altogether? A number of different things. It's definitely numbing technique. Um, it was my way. I've always been the agony aunt. Like I've always been um, the, the friend who supports my friend from from the start and I've somehow especially around that age I attracted a lot of friends that um, had um, quite a few sort of different problems around their, their their families and psychological and physical problems at the time and I was always that person that was strong stable had a lot of you know I was sort of old wise advice and um, I never put myself first it was always to support other people. So it was, it enabled me to then be able to be that support and survive. Yeah. (laughs) Like just, just live because it was, it's exhausting and it, it, it numbed my own emotions and it fueled and gave me the energy to support other people and also gave me a sense of, uh, purpose it allowed me to fit in it allowed me to fit into the misfits for when I was born like I've I've been brought up in a very loving family yet I've always deep down inside my heart known that I'm being very very different to my family and that's nothing about them nothing about me I just think in a very different way and that's new to my family. Um, they were always so loving. They were always so supportive. Yet I, I just had this never fitting in theme where when I met the, these friends at the time who were using and I, you know, I went out raving, it was like, this is something I have never experienced before. This is something that I can see myself fitting into. So I focused on that. <laughs> I did it really well. Yeah. Manifestors <laughs> can be incredibly obsessive about something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we're like, I am going to succeed at this. Watch me. Watch me succeed. Yeah. Uh, even if it's did that. It so for well. us. Yes. And, you know, as a, a splenic manifestor, you know, without even looking at your chart, that tells me that you have an, an undefined emotional center. And I think that that experience of, um, being able to receive and feel other people's emotions with intensity, but not having the ability to process that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it often places us in this experience of conditioning, which I think is really supported socially, especially as females, right? That we get told we have to be empathetic. We have to be understanding. We have to be supportive. It means we take on this conditioned narrative of, well, when people come to me with their problems, I have to solve that. You know, mm. I, I, I have to be this person that helps them. How do we do that when when we're too young to know what's occurring and we're also not yet developed enough, right, to place boundaries around that and to really support ourselves through that? I think that the whole 
topic of escapism and an addiction in order to step away from that that emotionally kind of charged and chaotic and intense experience is very very common we just change the label of of what we're applying i mean in your circumstance that seems like that really contributed to your experience of using drugs as a form of escapism for other people it's alcohol for other people it's food for other people it's sex for other people it's even you know exercise or travel or you know um relationships jumping from one relationship to the next i think in my experience i can absolutely look back that at that and see the same thing as an undefined emotional person i used a lot of things to escape a lot of things Mm -hmm. to run away from that pressure and um you know one thing that i don't share a great deal about because there hasn't really been space to do it i don't think you know in my business and my content is that uh, my brother is a drug addict um and has been for a little over 25 years now and he had a very similar experience to yours you know it was very intelligent very adventurous really was kind of um like you know I just want to experience like the the extremity and the totality of of life and he was really adaptable and really skilled and really amazing at doing that and I think that drugs gave him that way of initially escaping the things that were uncomfortable and it gave him fun and it gave him this kind of delight and this pleasure and and that became very very toxic for him over the first Mm. few years um until now that's you know that's his life that's that's his existence that's what he lives with um Mm. and for me as his youngest sister he was uh about 15 when he really was heavily using drugs so I was 11 and it means that I grew up with the ability to see drug use very up close and see the impact of it and see the devastation of it. And I think that that was really the only thing that stopped me from escaping with using a drug substance because it didn't look pretty and it didn't look nice and it didn't seem to provide him anything else except pain afterwards. You know, everything was kind of worse after he'd been on a binge. Was Mm. there a point at which you can look back at your story and reflect and see this is where it became a problem, right? Like this is where it went from, like I was managing it and it was giving me some benefits to, hey, now this is this is actually an issue for me. Um, probably, yeah, there was, um, so the two other friends I was talking about, um, my, there was two guy friends. It's, it, it's really funny. We, we, this is after, you know, I, I, was going to court and you know a lot of um sort of as after I sort of got into trouble basically we sat around we had we kind of didn't speak to each other for a while as in like a few weeks which was really strange and then we met up and we sat and had the usual binge and it was almost like we just looked at each other and I don't even think anything was said (laughs) I really don't think anything was said, but we all knew we, we can't see each other again. It's so weird. We just we just stopped speaking, stopped overnight. Mm-hmm. And and from that moment, I I stopped, and that was when I started to to use less. Um to the two other friends um in particular, one one I, I feel maybe still using. 
Um, but he definitely didn't stop at that time. And another friend, yeah, he definitely went down a different road. And I, I feel he has he has stopped using because um, I do know he's, you know, he started a family, um, but we don't keep in touch. Mm. It was, it was, yeah, I remember, I remember walking home. I can picture it now. I remember walking home being like this, I'm not doing that again. Mm. Um, it's just, just an inner knowing, strange. Yeah. That's splenic um, intuition. Yeah, speaking yeah. without without logic, it just speaks. Yeah, but the the reason why I stopped recently, because <laughs> it's not out of choice. Really, weirdly, wasn't out of. I wanted to do it. I still, I still kind of feel like why why can't I? <laughs> why can't I do drugs now? And um, that's because of my health. My body was like, nah. I had really bad IBS. I had candida. It was the IBS that um got me to I was I basically went um did the doctor's route didn't get what they were saying didn't make sense didn't I didn't take no for an answer and focused my mind and just found a a therapist a holistic therapist she was a health kinesiologist and I started having um healing uh therapy and instantly my stomach changed, my IBS changed. It was a very slow process. Um, and with the candida, she was like, you need to stop drinking, cutting out sugar. And I just went on these like, these health, I just started to explore health and explore my body. And, and I never actually told her that I used because I was embarrassed, I suppose, or my excuse was I didn't feel like she needed to know. <laughs> um but because what I do now, um, I was so inspired by the healing and how it affected me and in a positive way, I trained myself as a health kinesiologist. And then I decided to leave because I uh, my work, which I ended up working in, in the fashion industry, I decided to leave uh, three years ago and build... Um, build my business build um a therapy business and I call myself the energy coach and I do spiritual um coaching and um energy healing intuitive energy healing so I combine health kinesiology with intuitive healing and I help people realign to their self path and that that keeps me sober Hmm. I can't have you as a client after me you know at the weekend intoxicating my body with drugs and be like oh you know this is and and give you advice of being healthy and and no I can't I can't do that (laughs) and that's the one thing that stops me the only thing that stops me otherwise I probably would still be using Mm. party wise not every day but I would still be it sounds like that experience of finding kinesiology, right? Not being able to find those answers in Western medicine, which is so universal, right, for so many people. Mm. Um, finding kinesiology sounds like it was almost like a, a gateway to your own spiritual awakening. Like it was a, mm-hmm. you know, a structure and a system that gave you access into what are these layers within myself and you know, what are these messages and how does my body change when I respond to that? Do you feel like that placed you like on a, a different, like energetic spiritual path? Yeah, I, I've always been on that spiritual path. 
you I'm sure you you know with your experience that a lot of spiritual people have used have done drugs that's what's got them on the spiritual path think of the 10 steps it's spiritual you connect with with God um or however you want to to call that energy spirit the universe um so it's it's almost like hands in hand and I'm actually like this is something that I've been I've thought about a lot because at the time um I was I, I you know I speak to a lot of my friends and I'm you know what was the reason why you do drugs or wh- why did you and and a lot of my friends have said that it's just opened them up spiritually because it not necessarily cocaine but with ecstasy um and um I think some of them may have done acid um um and so on and so forth and I just think, yeah, I don't know if I would be spiritually so open now if I hadn't have done drugs. And I was like, that's such a warped way of looking at it. How can I change that? You know, when I have children, I don't want them to do drugs. I don't believe that you need to do drugs. Um, I, I don't want anyone to do drugs, right? But actually it helped me. So how does that make sense? And I've, I've worked out that now I know how to get high from meditating. I know how to get high from breath work. I know how to stay grounded and, and open and I am in control of these intuitive and spiritual um, ways that we all have access to. I know about that now. I didn't know about that before. So when I have children, if I have children, that's what I'm able to teach them that the magic of the universe isn't a lie when it comes to, you know, Father Christmas. There are fairies, you know, there are these mystical energies that are around us and we can tap into this infinite universe in a healthy, secure, grounded way. One of the things that I've really worked on this year is bringing my soul home in my body and that's something as a collective that we have issues with we don't feel at home here that's and even a lot of spiritual people find I find that they um any opportunity they get they're like right leave my body let's go and see what's happening in spirit world you know angels spirit guides so on and so forth but predominantly like we are our bodies are home here and the messages we receive so it's bringing our soul bringing our body back into our body and allowing us to in a you know a controlled way to receive these messages intuitively and just flow with whatever life has to offer kind of gone off on a tangent but it's all sort no, of I love you know, entwined it's, yeah as you know <laughs> yeah I think that's incredibly incredibly true and incredibly wise that we have really two narratives I think in spirituality around drug use around substance mm. use and arguably I think they probably come from the same source that has been distorted yeah. that we either have this one narrative that says drugs escape you from yourself right they transport you away because you you can't be present because you you know it's too uncomfortable it's too overwhelming it's too intense to be present in your body to be present with your intuition to truly connect to your spirituality and therefore that school of thought says 
well, you need to use these other tools. You need to use these more acceptable tools, right? You need to use meditation. You need to use breath work. You need to use yoga, right? I think that the other, the other narrative around this though is that, and it's growing very much so in the last couple of years, is that says that, well, if we use plant-based drugs and hallucinogenic mm-hmm. to change our level of consciousness, then that is actual spiritual growth. That, that elevates your spiritual growth and therefore you become, it's almost this like superiority and this elitism in the spiritual spaces. Like, well, mm-hmm. you know, have you, have you gone and have you done a plant ceremony and do you use mushrooms? And <laughs> I think it's really, it becomes very justified in this narrative because it's like, it's not chemically manufactured. It's, it's from the earth. So it's Gaia, it's, it's mother earth. It's these things that are being provided to us, but um, you know, I had, and I think I recorded a podcast episode on this a long time ago, but I, I did a plant ceremony and the messages that my body gave to me while I was experiencing the, the mushrooms was sure. This is giving us access to interesting things, but this is not good for your body. Your body mm-hmm. does not, does not want this. It does do not repeat this again um and I feel like that's really at odds with what the rest of the spiritual community is saying that I came out of that and said wow I really saw amazing things and I learned amazing things and it gave me clarity on stuff and I'm never doing that again I'm never Mm. returning to that because that is not good for a body a body doesn't need to escape that way we do not need to alter our our body's molecular structure to escape what we're experiencing here so like I said, I think it actually comes from the same source. These Both of these kind yeah. of opposing narratives around drugs are both from this place of escapism, right? Yeah. Is it okay to escape? Is it not okay to escape, right? And, and drugs are just a very easy way of having that conversation when actually we're yeah. doing that with a lot of different things. Yeah, completely. And the chemical, well, even all medication, pharmaceuticals are copied from plants it's all shifted over yeah um but I really wanted to highlight with plant medicine it's it's so important to respect the plant it's so important to 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 find a shaman or that's if the plant is calling you (laughs) and you will know you're being called because you'll just know And there's no other way to describe that. You know, if your friends are just all, you know, yeah, 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 this is fun. That's not calling. You know, you have this inner knowing that this is, you know, going to help support you in your particular journey. But it's so important to have that space held because you're opening up channels and you're opening up yourself to, to everything and not love and light can, you know, love and light doesn't always reach you when you're out of this, you know, not in, not in a um, in a grounded space. So that's why it's so important to have that space held, and you respect respect the plant. And that you're right; it's something that, as a spiritual, you know, community, it it has been misused and disrespected. And there's a lot of people that are like, "Oh, I've done cacao, even cacao, right? I've done cacao a few times," and then they're holding ceremonies. Well, you know borderline or if not cultural appropriation but at the same time <laughs> it's you know completely 
disrespecting what cacao is about and people have studied the plant for many years to actually support you with with whatever it is that you need support with so yeah I'm I'm, I'm pleased you mentioned that Holly because that's really important to share yeah and I, you know human design is a very uh intellectual conscious system right at, at least on the probably the top 10 layers of it that's a beautiful thing about human design as manifest as it gives us a lot of language it gives us a lot of structure to understand ourselves to integrate that it, I, I think it's expansive it opens us up to experience ourselves in new ways but it does place us in these spiritual communities where we then have to navigate we have to have this discernment particularly those of us that are splenic I think that we need to have this discernment about these types of conversations um, and expectations and energies within the spiritual communities to say, where well, is this actually correct for me? Is this what mm. I'm being called to? Is this what is going to be supportive for me? Or is this just what is expected? Yeah. For manifestors, especially, we always need to be asking ourselves that question. Is this, am I being directly or indirectly asked to do this am I responding to this or is this actually coming from within me and this feels correct to me it's a I mean it's a daily challenge I think as a as a manifester I mean I like I can write a lot of kind of like very like straightforward and black and white and structural content on it but in essence it boils down to as a manifester you always have to be trying to shut up everything around you to listen to yourself and we live in a really, really noisy world that does not support our ability to do that. So mm. that's a that's a daily practice, right? That's a daily it's a daily habit, I believe. Hence why the numbing. <laughs> Hence the numbing. <laughs> Correct. Mm. Make yeah. it all shut up. Yes. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, that you spent time in the hospitality industry and a long time in the fashion industry. I came yeah. from a long background in hospitality myself. I, I owned a hospitality business. I worked in upper level management of hospitality and events for many, oh, many wow. years. I'm very well used to the drug and the substance use culture <laughs> in hospitality yeah. um, and how it's really just energy supportive and I assume that it's probably got to be the same in the fashion industry, this kind of like frenetic pace for constant achievement and constant productivity. Is that, is that what you found? Did you find like during those years that the drug use was, was in part just propping up your ability to keep physically showing up for this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's sort of counterintuitive, really, because by the time you start work on a Monday, you're absolutely flawed. So like, <laughs> but I was flawed and numbed out. So then in a, in a different way to be able to support myself, you know, numbed out the emotions so I could just churn out the work. Definitely with um, the um, waitressing and, and bar work, that was more of like a party lifestyle with fashion there was no time to party. Um, <laughs> it was just work. But I work, I, but I've, I've done high end and I did high end and I did um, done high end. I've done um, high street and I also did costumes. So that's working on on films. 
and TV. Um, all three very different experiences. High end is literally as you expect it to be. Devil Wears Prada. Um, met a few, a few lovely people who are still friends now. Also met a few that a lot that aren't. Um, <laughs> I never like. No one's a bad person, right? I don't believe anyone is a is a bad person. It's just the the the, the system fueled this hierarchical um ego and I just never really cared that much and I think that's where I never really fitted into that system you know I was in the fashion industry I was I um I'm a trained pattern cutter so I construct the garments right so I'm in the workroom so if you want something changed in the garment I'll amend that that's fine and when there used to be I used to get shouted at and these drama it was off there's some situations I just you hold it together at work and as soon as I left just crumble but it's like you just want a short hem just tell me and I'll fix it like geez you know we're not saving lives here but it you know it has that energy around it um but that the the drugs I suppose help support that and then um costume work on films that's still really long hours and it was a release it's that you know you're holding it together aren't you for all jobs really you're holding it in the jobs that I'm speaking about but I held it together during the week and then I went at the weekend give me whatever something to help me relax even more and then I it's that cycle that vicious cycle mm, um so true yeah, it's mm. that it's that work hard, play hard quality. Um, yeah, you know, in Australia, that's really celebrated because that's pretty much our culture. Like that's the backbone of the Australian culture is go out and work hard and do the shit that you've got to do, and then party, party real hard, play harder than you worked. Like that's that's the goal here. How much can you screw up yourself? right? So that then you've got these stories to tell when you get back to work on Monday. And um, I feel like for me in hospitality, so much of it was about keeping up, right? This, I, I had to have this image of keeping up with everyone else because it's, it's, I mean, sacral people are the ones that thrive in these environments. You know, that, that whole thing of like fast paced environment is just another word for like, you need to be a generator or a manifesting generator in order to do this. Like everyone else, you're screwed. You're not going to be able to have the physical energy to do this. And I think it's really hard for manifestors to admit that we don't have that same energy mm -hmm. as everyone else. Like we know that we're different. We want to fit in. We want to be accepted. We don't want to be repelling. We, we want to, you know, have people magnetized to us and accept us and love us and recognize us. And one of the ways that we naturally learn to do that is just to physically keep up, right? If people are being capable and people are working really hard, then we will be more capable and we will work more hard. But I love what you pointed out as well about this kind of sense of I, I have to hold myself together in this environment, mm. that this is hard or this is overwhelming or this is in a lot of ways, you know, damaging or traumatic for me to be here, but I can't let this fall apart until I'm out of here. Mm. And then when I'm out, it's too much. It's too much to deal with all of this because there's no answer. There's no conclusion. There's no end point. So I have to numb that. I have to numb that out. Um, 
you know, for me, I, I was never interested in drug use, like having having watched my brother do it. Um, I had a liver disease from when I was 14 through to my late 20s. And so I couldn't drink. I tried a few times through my teens with very extreme results. And so I was kind of part of this industry where the people that I was very close to drank a lot and they used a lot of drugs and and they were all kind of part of that in crowd. And I needed to have something. I had to have something to, to have that experience of like, I've got to deal with, you know, people being rude to me and like me pushing my body beyond what I can handle. And, you know, I love that you said like, it's, it's just clothes. Like it's just a hem. I used to say the same thing in hospitality. I'm like, it's just food and drink, just food and drink. Like this is not changing the world. We're not doing anything important here, but it's so intense and it's so important to the people in those spaces. Um, so I, I caffeinated, I drank a lot of coffee, you know, seven, eight cups of coffee a day and um, energy drinks, yeah, where I could take them and then I would not sleep properly for days and days and days and then crash. Um, And so I think that we need to kind of like widen our scope. It's very easy for us socially to go like, well, I don't drink a lot or, you know, I don't use drugs. We're still walking around the same issue. It's just insert a different substance here Mm. right there's something that we're doing to to manage this because we're not generators we're not manifesting generators heck we're we're not like anybody else so we have to be using something to keep up right and I have this conversation a lot with manifestors who say you know like now that I'm trying to like getting getting connection with my energy cycles and really understand myself as a manifester I don't know how I used to do what I did I don't know Mm, how I kept up with that has that been the same reflection for you yeah I yeah that just reflecting on what you've said when you're in that system and you're keeping up you then have this judgmental opinion on other people who can't keep up Mm. and then you're like well I've done this and this you start fitting into that that hierarchical system thing that you so don't like or I personally didn't like you know I was like well I've done this 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 this, and this so like come on you know you got to do it and then you start like bitching about that person like oh they you know they haven't done a million things that you've done um but I am completely divert from the question how (laughs) keeping up (laughs) No, it's perfect. It's perfect. I, that, that's really, that's really on point. That's really true. It's like this yeah. um, uh, self-criticism, I think, which then creates this projected criticism on other people. Of yeah. like, I was willing to sacrifice myself in order to do what it takes to keep up. Yeah. Why aren't you? Right. Yeah. Which is so damaging. That's just so especially damaging. With, especially with women and our menstrual cycles. Um, a lot of women who well when you're working in a high stress environment your menstrual cycle guaranteed won't won't be legit and it will be fighting against your body and um, I remember just really because I was on the pill I had I was on the pill from a really young age from age 13 to stop my my period pain because I had mid-cycle pain and period pain when I'd, I'd be off school twice a month Um, so that pill numbed out the pain right looking at other ways that you numb 
um, that was for me that worked. So I didn't have period pain. And then the last fashion job I had was high street. So it was a nine to five, thankfully. Um, but it was still quite a bit of a toxic environment. It, you know, less so, but there were some women in the office who suffered really bad from period pain. And I was so judgmental to them, not to their face, but in my mind, I was like, come on, you know, not that bad. You know, I've done this, (laughs) you know, whatever. (laughs) And looking back now, it's, it's, you know, you just, you just fit into that judgment because you, because you've ticked all the boxes, but yeah, that question that you asked, um, did I, you know, did I, looking back now, can I see how I kept up? No, I I have no idea how I, how I kept up. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how I did it. Oh, (laughs) that's how I numbed myself through drugs on the weekend. (laughs) I synthetically propped myself up. Uh Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's That's how it happened. (laughs) You've got to think, you know, taking that drug away will potentially you know if you're looking surface level oh that's how I survived so if you've got a drug problem or caffeine addiction or something you know to take that away do you then have to change your whole life you know do you have to change your whole job do you have to change everything and taking out all the things that you enjoy um it it does seem really dramatic but I just wanted to highlight that that this happened in stages and it wasn't it's not something that you can necessarily do just all at once like quit your job cut the caffeine cut the cocaine or whatever it is that you do the alcohol or whatever it is that you 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 know stop the pill it's a process isn't it and and I think that's when people are are scared of change because if you look back five years ago you wouldn't want to be where you are now because it's such a big difference isn't it from where you were five years ago yeah well it didn't you know these these things that we use whether it's a substance or a system or a belief they didn't occur all at once right they didn't come on immediately they're layered Mm -hmm. it's a process so the undoing of them is the same we have to go part by part by part and and more often than not I think that for us as non-sacral beings. So I think that this is not just manifesto specific, but probably is for our projectors and our reflectors as well. Usually our first indication that we need to start dealing with this, we need to remove something from our life, we need to do something differently is because our body is telling us we have to. Our body is saying, hey, look, I've tried to be supportive. Like I've, I've gone as long as I can on this crazy system, but I, I can't keep up anymore. And we, we start to have dysfunction. Um, and, you know, you mentioned that was, that was one of the reasons why you got into kinesiology and started trying to make this shift in your life, that you had IBS, that you had candida, um, you know, issues with your menstrual cycle. That's all connected to the sacral center biomechanically. Mm-hmm. So no surprises to me at all to hear that. And I think that probably every single manifesto listening can resonate. Yeah. Um, I also had, you know, IBS, significant issues. I still have a lot of food intolerances that that all come as part of that. Was that really kind of your, like your biggest moment of, I, I can't just stop with 
hey, I have to do less drugs, right? Like, was that your indication that maybe this was more complex, that you had to pull some more layers apart and make some bigger changes in your life? How do you mean with, with, with IBS? Yeah, sort of... yeah, with the physical experiences you were having. Yeah. It was a really complex time, to be honest. Like, it was, I was the first one in my friendship group that, that decided to stop drinking even or stopped doing drugs. And I was in a really, uh, really negative space about it. I had my inner child was going, it's not fair. Why can't I do it? Why can't I fit in? Why can't I, why can't I be normal? Which is a really weird thing to say, right? <laughs> it's such an abnormal way of being, but it was so normal for me, right? It was normal for me in, in my friendship group. I remember um, my two friends at the time were like, it's really counter, you know, productive because you're really not enjoying life right now. So isn't it better just to enjoy life and just let go and just have a moment of, you know, fun. So just, just do the drugs or whatever. And I was like, you, at the time I was really, you know, you just don't understand that's really not that supportive. But the day, the day that I was like, guys, I am so okay with never doing drugs again. They were like, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish I could do the same. I really respect you. I definitely need to do this. So it's all about your energy and how you feel, right? How you feel about your choices will affect um, that your your friends around you. So I, that was a really interesting moment, actually, when I when I shifted that um, perspective. But yeah, I I. I just took one step at a time really like I don't think I I ever to be fair when I said I never do drugs again I don't think I've I've ever I said that as as clear-cut as I can say now Mm -hmm. uh, because it was too it you know three years ago when I said I'm okay with not doing drugs I maybe not said I will never do it again because the thought of never doing it again was so like oh I still feel um like I'm missing out but it's such it was so many layers the answer to your question I never I you know I never associated IBS with drugs and I thought I'd be doing cocaine for the rest of my life Mm. generally when I have kids I'd they'd be up in bed and we'd be having a cocaine party like I generally thought that's what my life would be like it sounds so sad but it 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 was in my my mind so I never really saw the link and because I never told my um, my therapist at the time, she never told me the link. <laughs> so I had to figure it out myself. And, you know, as soon as I started, as soon as I stopped, my IBS got better. Hey. Shock. Yeah, what a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then my intuition started to get stronger and I started to recognize that I'm psychic and I started to become a stronger healer and I, I started to experience things oh, I remember experiencing this one session which started it was the start of my intuitive healing and I she, and I was like how are you feeling like I, what did I just do and she said wow like I feel amazing I was like oh okay I was obviously doing something right and I came away from that session I was driving home and I was just on cloud nine and I said to myself I will remember this moment for the rest of my life because this is a physical feeling, right? I feel this. 
Whereas I don't remember how I feel on drugs. When everyone goes, oh, do you have a good night? I had such a good night. I can't remember if I had a good night or say I had a good night because, because we must have done. But I don't remember feeling I had a good night because that's a synthetic feeling. I can't feel that now. Whereas when I came away from that, that healing session with my client, yeah, I was like, this, this, this is life. This is how amazing it can feel. This is how, this is just, I was on ecstasy, but sober, but just happiness. Yeah. Mm, that is powerful. That is really, really cool. Before we go, I'd really love to know your opinion. I mean, kind of a different tangent, but looking mm-hmm. at energy work as a manifester, right? I love energy, huge student of energy, and I use a lot of energetic tools and a lot of energetic systems. Um, and I'm really curious about manifester experiences with them because there are some manifestors who really, really resonate with using those energetic tools kind of one-on-one and doing that like hands-on therapy with people and using energy in that very kind of visceral, physical way. And then there are other manifestors who are fascinated with energy but get very tired of that one-on-one exchange and want to kind of have this objectivity, almost this space of like teaching about energy. Um, And I think it seems like you and I are kind of at opposite ends. Like I I did the one-on-one and I was like, oh, I see the value in this, but it really tires me out. And I, I need to be a bit separate from all of this. Whereas that seems to really light you up doing that exchange with people. Do you, have you discovered kind of anything in your design that speaks to that? Like, what is it about doing, you know, energy work with people, whatever tool you're using, whether it's kinesiology or something else, intuitive healing, whatever it may be. Have you found parts of your design that explain to you why that, that really works for you? Or is that kind of part of where you're at in your journey at the moment? I wish I could tell you what part of what part of that is in my design but I don't I haven't actually I you can maybe suss it out maybe from just what I what I'm sharing now but with fashion I um I, I was a pattern cutter or I am a trained pattern cutter it's like a piece of the puzzle so I have the garment on paper it's flat I make a flat piece of paper 3d so if I'm changing the shoulder then that affects the armhole which affects the sleeve right it's the jigsaw puzzle piece I'm fixing a problem I'm piecing it together I do this with people's lives now and um, you come in you say you have IBS and this problem and, and anxiety I see your history and I go ah well I can see why you have IBS because you have storing this emotion from there and and this this um, ailment is linked to this emotion and I, and I, piece, I just piece together uh, people's illnesses and ailments and, and link it I always link it to emotions um, and psych- psychological situations and then I'm like okay now we can just start debunking that picture that you 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 have of you know how it is showing up in your body so that must be something part of my design, but I can't, I can't, can't say what. I'm sure it's reflected in a lot of areas, but I mean, just straight off the surface, that's a very five line, you know, this three, five part of your, right. your profile. That's like, you basically just read like out of the textbook <laughs> for the five oh. line archetype. It's this like, I go. see the problems. I see the big picture. I see the puzzle and I can tell you how to 
rearrange it and how to fix it so that this thing is functioning correctly. Um, And that's really nourishing. That's really, really fulfilling, especially if you can get that then reflected back by other people to say, yeah, you did. did There is a certain, yeah. Like there's only a certain amount of clients that can have a week. And there is, you know, I am creating, um, you know, online courses um, where I don't necessarily have to be sort of giving my energy all the time, but just having that one-to-one interaction, it's, it's like, yeah, like I I do, you're right. I have that sort of, yeah, that's, that makes so much sense. I fixed it. I fixed it. (laughs) That's so good. It's the, the, you know, the nuance, all of the nuances of, of each of us, even though we're all in this like giant pool of manifestors together, we're very, very different. We're very, Mm. very unique within this. And so we kind of have this like juxtaposition of, hey, we're very similar. I see a lot of myself in you, but also we're very different in these other ways too. And for me, that's a celebration. That's a celebration. And it's part of the intention and the purpose with doing this this guest series is to bring all of these different voices of manifestors on to say, hey, it's not just me. Like it's, you know, you don't all have to be like me as manifestors. Let's, let's look at all of these other examples. And you are a beautiful, a beautiful example of a manifestor you know, growing and deepening and being so expansive and, you know, coming through that journey of where you are and healing yourself through that and connecting in with your gifts. It's just, it's beautiful. It's been really beautiful to witness. So thank you for being here and, and sharing your story. It's, it's an absolute honor and privilege for me to provide a platform for that to go to more people. Is there any way that people can connect with you? Is there anything that you are offering at the moment that you would like to tell people about? Uh, yeah so well firstly just to acknowledge that thank you for having me here like I've followed you for a really long time and um, you you do such wonders in the manifesto community and I don't think I would be here so much knowledge around human design without your help so I, I appreciate you a lot um, but yeah I've got a few offers at the moment so uh, I have just launched I think when you 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 post this um, podcast, it'll be a few months in, but I, I, I'm offering soul alignment readings, so psychic readings to help uh, people on their soul path and start um, their sort of, they are particularly readings, but they are quite healing at the same time. Um, what, during that healing, I sort of transmute any energy that uh, needs to be released, any emotions that come up through that, that reading. And it just helps um, the transformational process if you're in a bit of a sticky period and you need a bit of support into moving into the next phase of your life these readings will help guide you on that and I also have um, a soul expansion program which is more one-to-one support and that's more uh, physical healing and spiritual mentoring and this this is something more um, of an investment but I um, it's it's an incredible way to to really dive deep and peel away the layers to get to the root cause of of whatever's holding you back and these these sessions both are designed to help you um you know shift on onto your path and realign your energy and help you um feel more purposeful in 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 your life so I have 
of both of those offerings and you can find that on my my website which is www.the-energycoach.com and my instagram all the links that i've um of what i've just shared on my instagram and that is at the energy coach with an underscore at the end beautiful and we will of course link all of that in the show notes below so it's easy for everybody to get access to it's been really really um it feels really deep to actually just spend time with your energy so for those of you who are listening who are interested in doing work with india i think it's well worth spending time with you well worth it it, it feels just very um very real very authentic very deep so Thank you for spending your time here with us. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Oh, thank you so much, Holly. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. I hope that my words, my sharing and the spiritual wisdom that came through today's episode have a magnificently transforming impact on your life. If you love this episode, I would be so humbly and truly grateful if you would share it on your social media. You can tag me on Instagram or Facebook at The Holly Marie. And also please consider taking a moment to leave a review right here on iTunes so that this information, this podcast and this spiritual transformation can be spread to even more people. Again, I cannot wait to see you for the next episode of Hunting for Purpose.